evening, Brother Thomas is going to minister. I hope you all enjoyed his teaching this morning. The anointing, just an amazing, amazing uh, opportunity to experience the move of God, and I'm just so blessed. I mean, God, God moves in. He moves through His Word. He is His Word, and as His Word becomes unveiled to our, our minds, our hearts can be enlightened. Please just remember, like even tonight, this is not someplace or something just to gain knowledge. This is an opportunity for us through the knowledge of God to have an experience with the Word of God. And I hope and pray, I mean, this is where, I, honestly, the, the difference that certainly Brother Thomas has had in my life over the years has been bringing an experience to the Word of God that changes and transforms me that I would never be the same again. And that's the message this morning. You know what? It's great if it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's wonderful because, yes, it's so, it makes sense. It's so good. But it needs to transform our hearts. Otherwise, it's just information. And tonight, God has a message for you. He's going to use my brother Thomas to speak this message tonight. He's been faithful. He's heard from the Lord. He knows what the Lord wants him to say, what he wants him to deliver to us tonight. But we have a decision to make. Am I going to hear the words of man? Or am I going to hear the words of God through a man? And tonight, listen, lift the, lift the level of your faith. And if you don't have faith to believe that, ask God to give you the gift of faith. That God would minister his words to you tonight. Not the words of man. Amen? Lord God, I just thank you for my brother Thomas, and I pray, Lord, your supernatural anointing to be poured out in fresh new ways. Let there be new wine. Let there be, Father God, a new breath, a wind that would move through this place, Lord, to fill us up and to let us experience all that you have in this time, in this hour, in this moment. And Lord, we just ask that you would open our ears to hear that you would open up our minds to receive, but God, open up our hearts that we could be transformed by the power of that word. So thank you for this night, Lord. Lord, I know that I will never be the same at the end of this night, and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's welcome Brother Thomas. Good evening. It is good to be back to the house of God. Uh, tonight, I love it when people are excited in the presence of God. Because I, I could hear that. And I, I imagine how the heaven will be looking down at us. What is happening there? Yeah. Amen. This evening, I'm going to just do a teaching on one chapter of Psalms. Because the greatest problem I the body of Christ have today, it's not that they don't have information. They know. They have read the Bible. But the problem, what is missing is encountering the presence of God. Coming to a place where you can know that God has said something to you. Because if you have not been able to know how to enter into the presence of God, there are a lot of things you are missing. There was a time uh, not too long ago a few years ago, you know when you come to the end of your road, you don't know what else to do. You don't know where to go. Everything you know how to do, you have come to the end. 
So I came to that state in my ministry, and I, I, don't, I don't know what else to do. I have preached a message, a series of messages, what do you do when you don't know what to do? But this time, I don't know what to do. So I decided to tell my wife, look, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to the church. I'm not coming home until God speaks to me. So I left the house, packed my things. I went to the church. I wasn't fasting. But I was just trying to stay in the presence of God. So I can hear from him. I believe God actually wanted to see whether I was serious. I stayed there for the first week. The second week. The third week. The fourth week. I was enjoying the presence of God, but I'm not hearing something. It's not telling me exactly what I want to hear and what to do and how to move on. The fifth week, the sixth week, my wife would bring food for me in the church. I eat, say bye-bye to them, and I just lay on the floor. In the evening, I walk up to the church and sit in front of the altar and worship. And just praise God. I was enjoying the presence of God. I was, I was learning a lot, but there are things I wanted to hear from him. And the f- sixth week was running off, and there was a place I have to take my wife to. I took her there. I came back. I drove her to my house, and I didn't come down from the car. My wife said, are you not coming down? I said, no. I told you I'm not coming back here until God speaks to me. It was the next morning. It's like I was in the presence of God face to face. And I was writing. I was talking. When I finished, I came back home. Life become meaningful again. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 91, we're going to explore Psalm 91. It's in four blocks. If you don't read it that way, you can't understand what it's saying. In Psalm 91, it says, he who abides, or he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely shall deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the pestilence that uh, perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings. You shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shade and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lay waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand on your right side, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall be for you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to take you in all your ways. In, the hands, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet against a stone. You shall tread upon the lions and cobra, the lions, the young lions and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he had set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him and set him on high. Because he had known my name, 
He shall call upon me and I will answer and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life and will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is something we read most times and read it like edification after reading it. Yes, thank God for it. But I want to unpack this scripture today and try to show you exactly what you do to unlock the divine presence of God. So I tie to what I want to talk to you tonight as the power of his abiding presence. The power of his abiding presence. Sometimes you walk in the night. In this country, you don't, you don't actually feel that because everywhere there's light. But in my country, sometimes if you have light constantly, that's the good news. That's, that's headlight news. I remember one time there was a blink of light in California for a while, and it was a headline news. I said to them, no, when there is no light, that is, when there is light in my country, that's headline news, because it doesn't come. Sometimes for three days you don't have power, you run your generator. But then you find out if you are walking in such a thick darkness where you can't see, and you are going alone, you'll find that you feel I see somebody want to get you. But if you are going with, in such darkness with some people with AK-47 around you, you don't fear nothing. Why? Because in your mind, you have guards around you. If Mark comes to my country, from the hotel to the church, and from church to wherever we go, there are men with AK-47 that is going to lead us. I don't leave them alone. Why? Because I know the environment. I know the terrain. But in this, there is a binding presence of God that goes with you even without you seeing them. And when a Christian understands that, there are many things that you have confidence in. You are so strong in it that nothing threatens you. Nothing frightens you. You know that he is there with you. That is a problem we have as a church. That we have not experienced God in a way that we can see his glory. Now I'm starting from verse 1. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High. Or he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the shadow of the mighty or the Almighty. Now the question is, what is the secret place? Where is the secret place? What does that mean to us? I want you to look at, if, look at from verse 1 to verse 8. Tells you what happens when you stay under his glory. Under his presence. Because anyway you see because. It's a beginning of a new package. There are four different kind of packages in this scripture. Dwelling in his, the secret place means dwelling in his word. Everything you need to know about God and about his power is in his word. When you study his word with a mind of seeing God and hearing from him, it's different from when you are reading it as a newspaper. I have a library in my house that when I walk into that place, nobody knocks into that door. They know either I'm thinking or I'm praying or I'm reading. Or writing. The only person that is permitted to come in is my wife. And when she knocks, she just do like this. 
And I say, come in. She can come in. Because at that moment, they know when I enter there, I want to actually unwind. I want to hear from God. I want to be in his presence. I want to dwell in that secret place where he can say something to me and I know God has said something to me. Some of us, let me say to you, do you know that God speaks every moment? 24-7, God is speaking. But our frequencies are not directed to a point where we can hear. There are voices in the air right now. If you tune your radio, you find out there are voices. But you have to tune the right channel to hear what you want to hear. How you tune to enter into the presence of God is through his word. A devotional study of his word. And when, when I mean devotional study, it's not a study that you are going here and there. You are focused on it. You know that it's a letter written to you by God. And that frame of mind ignites something in your heart that you can see God in his word. Dwelling in his word. Dwelling by the power of his spirit. If you read Psalm 1, blessed is the man who do not dwell with the you know, sinners, don't walk on their seat, don't sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditate day and night. It's the second phase. You read the word of God and meditate upon it. Have you ever seen animals that chew cord? Right? They go grab everything and grab it and then store it somewhere. And in the cool of the day, they go somewhere and chew it and chew it and digest it well. How much time do we give in studying God's word in such a way that you can feel his presence in your heart? A lady was brought to me she, she's a nurse. You know, she, she came and she was like frightened and said, I'm dying. Pastor, pray for me, I'm dying. I said, who told you I'm dying? Said, I just feel like I'm dying. And she's a nurse. She must have seen some people die in the hospital. And I said to her, are you a Christian? She said, yes. Said, How much time do you spend in God's word? How long have you been saved? You say about three years. How much time do you spend in God's word on daily basis? She said, 15 minutes. Hmm. So I ask her, I say, nurse, if you have a baby and you give a light bottle of milk to that baby for three years, what happened? Before I finish, I say, the child will turn blue. I say, fine. You know my diagnosis? You have turned spiritually blue. So I went inside. I grabbed two Bibles. I gave her one, and I took one. I will call a scripture. I ask her to read. And she will read it. I will explain I'll call a scripture. I did it for 30 minutes. And she had this, hmm. I said, what happened? He said, I feel good. I said, then, we have just taken the first drip, you know, infusion. Let's do the second one. We started another 30 minutes. By the time she grabbed her bag, I said, I'm not dying again. I'm going home. I said, why? He said, because I now know that what I was feeling was not God. Why? She saw the revelation of God's word for her life. The promise became her life. The presence of God came into her heart and her faith rises. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the, under the protection of the Almighty. The greatest place of safety is in the presence of God. 
Safety in your spirit, spiritual life, safety in the community, safety in your family, safety in your marriage. The greatest place to be is in the word of God. And when you make the word of God the circle on which or the hub on which your life revolves, you'll find the presence of God with you every moment. Look at what he said in, in the next verses. We're going to read that. What will happen to you when you stay there? He said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength. When I dwell in the presence of God, I draw strength. It becomes my covering. It becomes my energy. He is my refuge and my strength. In him I will trust. And I shall say of the Lord is my refuge and my strength. My God in whom I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me. He says, surely I know it. He shall deliver me from the noisome pestilence, from the snares of the fowler. And from all the things. And if you go forward, I said, he will make sure that your foot will not stumble because you dwell in his presence. When you are in the presence of God, you know exactly what to do at the right time and you are not going to be confused by anything. One day, I was going to speak to a group of people. I was already packed up. I was about to enter my car. Somebody walked into my house. I don't know how he know my house. And he began to cry. Look, don't travel. Don't go anywhere. I said, why? He said, I just had a dream. You were buried. You died and they buried you. I said, but I'm here. She said, please don't go. And she was crying. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. By the way, how do you know my house? He was looking at me. I said, listen. I have a message to deliver to the people of God. If you had a revelation... That I died. What did you do when you woke up? So I prayed. I said, fine, thank you. I'm going. I jumped into the car and I went. Why? Because I know that wasn't God talking to me. I have spoken to God and he has given me a go ahead to go. I'm going to. Anybody coming to tell me contrary to what I know, I'm not going to listen. I went to where I'm going to and God moved mightily. I came back home. There was no problem. And I, see, I don't see that guy anymore. He never visited me again. Because I don't know where he come from. If you're a child of God, and you dwell in the presence of God, one of the things that your spiritual life is secured. You are secured in such a way that when people bring lies, you can easily detect. You know that this is not true. People can tell you all kinds of things. But, you see, I have... I have known God enough to know that when God wants to speak something important and policy, he talks to me as a person. If he's talking to me, he won't first tell somebody else about me without telling me. It is after telling me and I refuse to obey him, he tells somebody else to tell me. (laughs) So the, the, the important thing is that I must know exactly how he deals with me. And you find that if you understand what it is to be in his presence, in meditation, the spirit of God speaks to your spirit. It's like you are embedded, you are actually branded by the spirit of God when you are in the presence of God. You come out glory, you come out with joy, you come out with confidence, you come out with a kind of focus that the devil cannot confuse you. But the Bible says in Psalm 1, 
that that is where our life becomes like a tree that plants by the riverside. That every day flourishes and bears fruit. If, if you find Christians today, many of us miss opportunities to actually be a messenger of God because we don't hear from God. You remember the, the captain that was somewhere and he was reading the Bible and passing the book of Acts. And then Peter was asked, join that chariot. He knew, he entered, and he said, what are you reading? And he told him what he was reading, and he explained Christ to him. And then the man said, well, is there anything going to hold me from being baptized? He baptized him, and the Spirit of God took him away. If he didn't listen, that man will not be saved. So there are many things in our life that people come to confuse us because we are not listening to God. We are not dwelling in his presence. If we dwell in his presence, he will enrich our lives in such a way that we become treasures for God. That people draw from us. There are things that your life carries that you will never know until you encounter God. You will never know. There are virtues and powers in your life. Let me give you a story of a young man who was looking for power. He's a Christian, a pastor, and he was looking for power. He didn't find power. He thought there was no power. And somebody took him to a voodoo and they opened a door and said, well, you go into that door. Whatsoever you see there, swallow it. And if you swallow it, whatever you say will come to pass. Oh, that looks strange to you. It happens. It's real. So he went into the room. It was a snake he found. And the snake had to crawl, coming to him, and he ran away. When he ran out, they said to him, nobody enters that room and run out and then go away from here alive. You have to swallow whatever you find there because you have already initiated yourself. So they gave him a second chance. He got there. It was a bigger snake. Until he went, it was a big python, the third time. And this was crawling to him. And I was coming and he screamed, Jesus! The python disappeared. The door broke open and the people ran. He was looking for power, but the power was in him. But he could not understand it until that moment when he encountered something he cannot handle and the presence of God was there. Many times in our life, we go into things that we are not supposed to go into because we don't know that God is there with us. So, he that dwells in the presence of the Lord shall abide under his protection, under his shadow. I was preaching in a village, a remote village in Kenya, and I was lashing the gospel out. And this, this man, this old man, when I finished, he came to me and said to me, do you have anybody here? Relation here? I said, no. Do you know anybody here? I said, no, except these guys who brought me. He said, why are you so bold like this? What if we decide to kill you here? I smiled. I said, that's the least you could do. I said, because if those who brought me here, the angels of God around me show up, you will run. He said, is that why you are bold? I said, yeah, because the Bible says the angels of God will encamp around you. Even though I don't see them, they are there. It was in New York. I went, to, I went from Rochester. A friend drove me to Scranton. I think that was in Pennsylvania. And we were to go back, and we got lost. 
And my friend was to go to work the next day. And uh, I just prayed. I said, God, we don't know where we're going. So we drove into a gas station. And then he called a guy. Somebody just walked in and said, what's the problem? We said, we don't know where we, are, you know, where we should go through. And uh, we're going to Rochester. He just turned like this. Go through this way. And we just, just few miles, we were somewhere, and my friend said, no, this cannot be true. I said, what is it? He said, I know this place. We have gone several miles from where, this time we use can't be true that we are coming out here. Well, God has angels around. And they can do anything. He that doeth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you this. The secret place of God is a place of prayer. A place where you spend time with God. You see, I tell people, prayer is not talking to God. Prayer is talking with God. There's two different things. If I'm talking to Pastor Mark, I'll talk to him and walk away. But if I'm talking with Pastor Mark, I will expect him to respond to me. Let me ask you in your, in your working place. Can you go out in your working place and uh, you talk to your manager? You just come, you book an appointment. I want to talk to the manager. And then you talk and talk and talk and talk with the manager. And then grab your bag and walk out. They will call doctor. They will say something, something is wrong. You will expect your, doc, your, your manager to give you a response. And you can come out and say, I talk with the manager. And this was what he said. The question, if you go to God in prayers, do you know what he said? Do you come out with, I know what God has said. You remember this morning I told you something? That while I was standing here, this is what God said to me. And I asked him, give me something. And that's what I do. In my house, my side of the bed, you don't throw away any piece of paper without my permission. Because he can carry information. I may be sleeping and wake up and God says something to me. I just I scribble it on the paper and keep it. I write them down. Why? Because they are very valuable. In your place of prayers, you are dwelling in a secret chamber with the almighty God in discussion. Do you come out knowing that you have talked with him and he has answered you? If you have not, you can experience the kind of dynamic faith that you should experience. Your faith will not be activated. But when you know that God has said something to you, you know, yesterday morning, you heard me singing. Right? It's different every day. I woke up and there was a song I was led to just play. I played the song, the Spirit of God took over. And I got up, I started dancing in my room. And I was dancing, singing. I was dancing, singing. Before I knew, I was crying because I knew God was there. And when I came here to speak, I was speaking with confidence because I know I've just talked with God. So if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, apart from all this, there are protections that are activated every day in your life. If you read it from verse 1 or verse 2 to verse 9, you will see all the things that follow because you stay in the presence of God. And let me say this to you. Why is it that it's easy for us to sit down and watch television or a movie for four hours straight and never blink? Don't fall asleep. But take the Bible to read for one hour. What happened? You sleep. You feel tired. 
Why? Because that is where the secret of life is. And the devil will do everything he can to keep you away from it. That's why my students, I have a class I teach, discipleship class. I tell them, I, my goal for them is that before you finish, they finish the New Testament. I have read it one this year. I'm going the second time. I just enter into Romans the second time. And this is only the third, the fourth month. All right? Because I read Genesis to Revelation every, every year once. It's not that I know everything is in it, no. But I store it because I know on a day God wants to do something, he pull one of those things in the file and say, do this. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the protection of the Almighty. A place of prayer, a place of meditation, a place of thinking. When you stay in the presence of God, sometimes... I can be praying and you won't hear anything. Why? Because most of the prayer I pray is my, in my thoughts. I stay there thinking about it. If I can think through about a thing I need and I can see the picture in my spirit, I can almost come out and tell you it's done. I don't know when it will be done, but I have this confidence that if I can project it in my spirit and be able to find that my spirit accept it and project it to God, it's done. Because that's what actually communicating with God is. You are telling him your heart, your need. In your meditation, he tells you what he wants you to do. He opens your understanding. He shows you the revelation of his word. Sometimes something will jump out of the word you have just read and open something to you that is so wide. Second thing, if we look at verse 9, all right, let me go to that scripture. I think it's verse 9. Um, yeah. If you look at verse 9, it said, Because, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. In other words, you stay in his presence and he becomes your dwelling place. Dwelling place is like a place where you stay. You don't let anything take you out of his presence. When you are at work, you are in his presence. You are in the kitchen, you are in the presence. And how do you know? There is a connection in your spirit that gives you that joy that sometimes a rhythm of song is going on in your heart and you can't sing it out, but it's going on and you are dancing inside. Has it ever happened to you? Three days, a song will be in your heart. You, can, you are not singing it out, but it can't leave you because you are dwelling in the presence of God. In that moment, you are worshipping even when you don't know. Your spirit is alive, worshipping God and communicating with him. And you know that everything that happens to that moment, you are secured. You are under a covering. I have a brother. I know a brother. I think he lives in Austria today. A very powerful preacher. I was interpreting for him, translating for him when he was in the crusade. And a demon possessed said to him, I will kill you through motor accident. I was a baby Christian about a year and a half in the Lord, but that thing frightened me. But he, didn't, he, did, he just kept quiet. And he went out, prayed, cast out that spirit, 
but he has gotten an information of what the enemy wants to do. So he was driving back home, and a truck carrying petrol was like this on the road, as if he said, go kill him. And came in contact with his car and carried his car until he squeezed the car by the side of the road. You know what? Before the impact, he said, I saw two hands pick me up from the car. So he was standing, watching the car and the truck. So the driver came down and went to look, looking for the driver because he was squeezed. And he walked to him and said, did you see the driver? He said, I'm the driver. How did you come out? He said, because the Holy Spirit, the angels of God took me out before the impact. If he wasn't dwelling in the presence of God, he would be dead. You never know how God protects you until you say, because you make him your dwelling place. In other words, you refuse to leave his presence. Whether you are walking, whether you are talking, whatever it is, you refuse to leave his presence. Look at what happens to you. Verse 10. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge concerning you. Why? Because you dwell in his presence. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Not some of your ways. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they will bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. He said you shall tread upon serpents or lions and cobra, young lions, serpent, and trample underfoot. Why? Because you dwell in his presence. You remember Paul had a shipwreck. And when the shipwreck was going on, for 14 days, the people couldn't even eat. Because the weather was so bad that all hope of being saved was lost. And while Paul was sleeping at night, an angel came and said, Paul, all these men who are in this ship, I'm going to give them life because of you. Nobody will die. He said that the ship will be lost, but everybody will be saved. Now, how can you do that? When the ship will break into pieces, nobody is going to die. Paul said, hey, brethren, listen. You should have listened to me when, don't forget he was a prisoner. You should have listened to me when I advised you not to move. But now that the angel of God whom I serve stood by me and said, nobody is going to die. So eat something. And everybody was encouraged to eat something. And they were all saved. Now when they got to the land, Paul went to gather stick and a cobra fasting on his hand. Oh, the people say, well, this one is a murderer. You know, justice, even though he escaped the sea, justice will not let him go. And they were waiting for Paul to swell and die. Nothing happened. After a while, they changed their mind. They said, no, he's a god. And they wanted to worship him. Why? Because something that he's dwelling in the presence of God and no harm came to him. It still happened today. God still saved today. God still delivers today. You remember what sent Daniel into the uh, lion's den? It was because he was in the presence of God. And when they put him in there, he didn't, he didn't run away. He allowed. And sometimes I wonder, why is it that God didn't smack those people and then take them, take 
Daniel away. God kept quiet. They threw him in the hungry lions. The first time human being had all night prayers with lions. And the lions were quiet. Daniel was there with them. The next morning, the king said, bring Daniel out. But listen, if Daniel was not in the presence of God, he would be dead. Then the accusers were sent there, let their God save them. And the Bible said, the lion break their bones and took out their marrows. Why? Because they have no protection that David had, uh, uh, Daniel had. So every one of us should see Goliath, you know that when, when David fought Goliath, he was in the presence of God. Before whom I stand, I will kill you. And he killed Goliath just because he was in the presence of God. God assisted him. How is it that the, the, the stone only find an empty place and went in and killed him? Because the angels of God were there. Because he made God his dwelling place. The things we fear today, we shouldn't fear them because we make God. Now, the third thing is this. Because he has set his love upon me. That's a different, a different level of relationship. When you are dwelling in his word, you are dwelling in time of prayers, you are meditating upon him. Now you are staying in his presence, in worship, in praise. No matter where you go, the thought is you set your love on him. How do you set your love on him in service? In obedience, you are willing to follow whatever he says. We are willing to respond to him when he calls. You are willing to say yes, even when everybody is saying no. Why you set your love for him? When you set your love for God, it, it takes you to a level where God can ask you to give him something. And you do. Remember what I told you this morning? When God asked me, you know, to give the suit to the guy. If I had responded early, he wouldn't ask me to do that. I would have used my own wisdom to give him something. But God taught me a big lesson in that. When I, when I gave my house in 2004 to the Lord, that was the only house I have. When I go to my village, I go to the hotel and stay. And people were laughing at me. They were mocking at me. You build a house and say you love God and you give your house to God. Well, in 2008... My mother died. And I came back. I was, I was in Lake Havasu when they called me. My mother died. And I came back to Nigeria to prepare for my mother's burial. And God said to me, he showed me a place where my mother's house was. He said, build a house here. God, I don't have the money. Build a house here. I have enough money to take me to the roofing level. And that's all. Now, my pastor was standing by me when God said that to me. And I turned to him and I said, God asked me to build a house here. He said, how? You know Mama's burial is huge. In Nigeria, burial is big. There were almost 2,000 people that came to my mother's funeral in an open school field. And all of them were fed. Two cows killed. And they ate everything that day. <laughs> Let me tell you. When God says something to you, better do it. So I told my brother, I said, well, I am going to, the money I have, I will do it. So I started building. 
And I took it to a roofing level at the second week. Money got finished. Now I have no money to bury my mother and I couldn't finish the house. God showed up. Brethren began to come and say, I learned your mother died and you are building a house. People, be, I won't forget a lady who came into my office. What will I give to pastor? Only herself, arguing with herself and took a check and wrote 300,000 of my money. And was, people were, in six weeks, that building was completed, complete, everything. Six weeks. And I knew that I didn't have the money. But God showed up because he has taken something I have before because of the love I have for him. Now it's time for him to show me that what I did was an investment. And that investment paid off. He built me a house. If, if, if you set your love for God, God will ask you for something that is so precious to you. That is where it begins. Something that is so dear to you, he will ask you for it. And see how much you love him. You remember when he was telling Peter, lovers love me more than this? Why? Because he, he actually wanted to see how Peter will respond at a time that God will need his support or Jesus will need his support. But he chickened out. Sometimes God will ask you for something so dear that in the whole church, you are the only one God is saying, you fix this problem. Right? No other person sees that problem. You fix that problem. And you will say, well, it's not only me in this church. You go and talk to two brothers or three brothers. Hey, you know, this thing is good. Let's, let's fix it. Those who believe what you said and they fix that thing, they get the reward, but you don't. You know why? Because God didn't tell them they believe. But you that God told, you didn't do it. God was not sending you with somebody where he says so. We just had a camp meeting. And I sold out of my car. And when I sold it, because I don't need it, I took part of the money and paid transport for several of my churches that were coming to the camp meeting. Quietly. I've made an investment. I don't know when the reward is coming. Something is coming somewhere. But the problem is that because of my love for God, I give that help to people. So I ask you a question. If God asks you today to give your best clothes to someone who don't have, how do you react? Because if your love is, if you set your love on God, nothing God asks from you that is too hard to give. Nothing. Nowhere he sends you, you know, will be willing to go. Some of us need to volunteer to go to hospital ministry or uh, what do you call it? Uh, hospices ministry or prison ministry and all that. It's not that you don't know. You have been called to do that, but you don't just want to do it because you feel you don't have time. Nobody has time. But you have to make that time because of your love for God. Because if you have a love for God, anything that makes God happy is what makes you happy. And you do it and come home with a joy that you would never experience before. Look at what he said. Because you set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will deliver you. I will set you on high promotion. 
You see, you come to some places, you see some brethren that they keep lifting them up. God keep giving them opportunity in their... Watch out what they do in their relationship with God. You find out that they, they are sold out to God and whenever anything happens, they are sold out to God. They are willing to give God anything and God in turn opens doors for them. Because you cannot outgive God. But it is the love you have that make you give God cheerfully and not tearfully. See, because some of us give God tearfully. When you want to count, you count again. You want to count, you count it again. Because you feel, oh, it's going, right? But when you want to buy something for yourself, you don't count it. You just do it. That is where you know. So, you see, sometimes, sometimes I ask myself the question, you know, if I want to go and buy this suit and somebody is hungry, what do you think is more important? My suit or the life of that person? But sometimes we are blind because of what we need. I can do without a suit. But if that person die, I have ended a destiny. So if I love God, I should love what God loves. I should put my attention on the things that God loves. You know, each time I come and see homeless people here, I feel so happy. To you, it's not something that if I go to Los Angeles sometimes to minister, I go to the skit room. Because that is where the ministry is. Those men are not there. Those women are not there because of their sin. Society have abandoned them and some of them have inflicted or makes wrong decisions that end them up there. They need a ladder to come out of the hole. It takes the love of God to love on them. And that is why I believe that new life is blessed to be a part of reaching out to the community. He said, he said I will set you on high because, there's another step, because you know my name. The first is that you are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Second, you are actually dwelling in his presence. You are dwell, making him your dwelling place. Let me say this to you. There's a scripture that I love to quote all the time. It's in Psalms. Psalm 40. I think this was right four. It said, blessed is the man who make God his trust. You know, it's easy. I put my trust in you. When something happens, I can take my trust. Right? But when I make you my trust, there's no plan B. If I make God my trust, everything about God is what I love. I will do it because he is my trust. He's the last bet. If he fails, I fail. So it's different to put your trust in God and to make him your trust. If you make him your trust when your love has actually inclined to him that this is the one I love. You are willing to sacrifice anything for his glory. And number four, he said, because you know my name. Let's see what happens. Because he has known my name, he shall call upon me and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Just the name. 
Now, knowing the name of Jesus by head is different, but knowing the name of Jesus in practice. If I know the name of Jesus and I, something happened, I know that that is the only name that can save me from it. I go there. I don't go to look for something else. I go to God first to seek for answer. Because he knows my name, he will call and I will answer. And I will deliver him from trouble. I wanted to go home and study this scripture in the block I showed you. And write down the promises that follow each action. You'll be shocked at what we miss. And he said, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, will I satisfy him? You will not be afraid of death. And I will show him my salvation. My father gave his life to Christ at the age of 100. And served God another 15 years before he died. And my father died not using glasses. He reads our native Bible, you know, translation like that. 115. And the day he saw me with glasses, he laughed and laughed and laughed and said, you, I just born you. I was, uh, my father was almost 70, about 70 when I was born. And I wasn't the last born anyway. <laughs> he still have five children after me. <laughs> yeah. But, but you see, the, the gist is, when he gave his life to Christ, his testimony was that the life he lived the last 15 years was better than the life he lived in the first 100 years. When you set your love in God and you allow him to direct you, you will be someone that others will be looking at and say, how did you come here? How did you get to this place? A lot of people say to me, you know, why is it that every time you are doing this, you are doing that, and look at your age. I don't feel, I don't feel old. I don't. And I have no retirement plan. Why? Because there's no retirement plan in God's work. I will do it to the last breath. Because that's what is. My father in the Lord, you know, he died two years ago. And fulfilled man. When he was buried, I mean, every, every, all the field was filled. I don't think his village has seen that number of cars in their history. And everybody coming to testify, he, he's, he was his minister at gossip. These are big men of God. But he was someone who was reaching out with the love of God, touching lives, changing lives. When he was going, he wasn't. He was, he, at a point, he was telling the brother, can't you see the glorious buildings I'm seeing? The brothers have not seen anything. But he was seeing heaven. Ask yourself the question. In the presence of how much time do you spend as a Christian? Because every year, you're supposed to increase your time with God. Every year. You're supposed to increase. Every level of your service should move one step ahead of where you were last year. In your time of Bible studies, in your time of prayers, in your time of meditation, in your time of loving God and worshiping God privately, you should increase every year. There was something I was, you know, complaining about and God just stopped me and said, hey, 
I want you to write the story of your life and tell me how you get here. I'm still writing. I'm not done yet. I have written up to about 1986, so I still have a long way to write. But it's, it amazes me to see God's hand in every step of my life, even when I don't know him. Even when I was running away, I was dying with all the kinds of things I was doing. God was still looking for me. He was actually caring for me, driving me to that place where he can hold me. But when, why will I not give him my time and my life? Because I wouldn't be what I am today without him. So he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the protection of the Almighty. That's why David said, let everything that dwell in me praise the Lord. Let every, every breath in me, everything that praise the Lord. He said, never you forget all his goodness. He deliver you from sickness or heal, deliver you from sin and heal you and give you satisfaction. Don't let anything take that away from you. So it's important that you dwell in his presence on daily basis so that your life will become such a life that will blossom wherever you go. Amen? Amen. I will, I will, I will open for question if you want to ask question. Pastor Mark, is that okay? All right. If you want to have, ask question about this, because it's, this is not like a former church, but I just wanted to get this to you. On Wednesday will be a special evening. I, I want you to come. I believe that God is going to speak to us in a very special way. All right? If you have a question, let me see your hand. I tell people when a teaching is done, there are many things that are hidden that you don't know that the question will bring out. All right? Yes. Well, that depends on your own personal devotion. I won't say me. Oh, if, if I am in my studies, two, three, four hours, I'll just be sitting there studying. I don't do study without writing. Everything my church studies as Sunday school, as Bible study, are my personal Bible studies. We don't borrow from anybody. Whatever blesses me will bless my church. So I write out whatever I study and I pass it on to them. There are places I'm, I was asked to come and speak. One verse of the Bible, it was a university. And I was asked to come and speak on that. One verse of the Bible, two hours every day for three days. It was one of the greatest challenges I faced in ministry, how to crack it. And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We with an open face, beholding us in a mirror, are transformed from glory to glory. Huh. How do you preach this thing for three days, two hours at a go. For about two weeks, I kept praying and asking God. One night, God gave me three keys. One, open face. Transparency. Second, mirror. Reflection. When I'm transparent before God, he reflects his glory in my life that changes 
my life. That's my last book. It's called Pathway to Glory. It's in a Bible study form right now. And if, if I study, when you finish that study and come out, you are like somebody who is loaded. Prayer becomes very easy. You may not have four hours because of your job, but you can create a very conducive time. I won't, I won't prescribe three, hour, three hours for a beginner. You start with 30 minutes and go to one hour and go to two hours. Be, the more you love it, the more time you spend. The more you see the value in your life, the more time you spend. So it's not, sometimes you just take that three hours or four hours and, and then you relax and then begin to pray. It's easy to pray at that time because you're already, the reflection of God's word is all over your heart. So that, that is what I do. So sometimes I spend that, and some of the times I come here, you know that there, there, there are days I don't come out. There are days I just say, I'm coming out in the evening. I just stay indoors. All day, just spend time with God. So it's, it's something that you have to build up. You develop it. The more you do it, especially if you are writing your studies, Especially if you are writing. Recently, I did a study on the book of Malachi. You know, maybe I'll give you a copy. I'll send a copy to you. We only quote Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, about Titan offering. But we don't know exactly how it began. You were saying something this morning about honor, right? In chapter 1, in Malachi said, if I'm your father, where is my honor? If I'm your God, where is my respect? And he was talking to the priest. And when I did that studies, I took all my pastors for a week of retreat just to study that studies. And gave every one of them the copy to go back and train their people. It was a big challenge. Something that amazes me. I, I don't know what drew me to just study that. I have a complete study on the book of First and Second Peter, study of Colossians, study of Ephesians. I just take a book and study. When I studied the book of Jonah, it was a fascinating, only four chapters, but I have about, I think about 21 studies out of it. Because every part of those things have something to tell you. I'm becoming lazy now, but <laughs> but I love writing. Maybe because I didn't buy mine, that is why I love it so much. But if you are studying and you don't write, it goes off. Write it, make sure you wait, and allow God to let you know what the study is all about. Men are asking, you, are not, you are not studying to actually preach. You are studying to to feed yourself. I don't, I don't study to test somebody. I study to feed myself. And when I feed myself, I write down what God tells me. I write down the structure of, of it. When I finish, I keep it. A day will come. Somebody will say, come and do this. There are, there are messages they call me and say, come and preach in soup like this with this topic. I'll just go into my archive. I'll pull something. It's there. 
I've done a study and I just pull it there. All I do is to stay in the presence of God to make it fresh and relevant to the place I'm going to. And when I hear that and then speak on it, I can speak on one topic to three different congregations and it's different. Because the, mo the most important thing is not what you've written down, it's the spirit behind what you wrote down. Because anywhere you go, there's something peculiar God wants you to deposit in their life. And it's in, your, in the presence of God that becomes real to you. So when you are talking, you just make sure that these areas are covered. Praise God. Is there any other question? Does that help? Okay. Another question? Yes. Would you share how you got saved? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I somehow... I wasn't a good boy. Not at all. Not at all. I didn't have the patience to listen to you talk to me for hours. No. Somebody give me a tract, I threw it away. But God prepared someone. The picture of the church today, he commented on it. The person I got saved in his house commented on it. So I visited him. And when I got to his house, I saw tape recorder. That was 1972. 51 years ago. I saw a tape recorder. I have never seen a tape recorder before. So I went there and I turned it on. I turned it on myself. And he played a kind of weird music that I, it's not my stuff at the time. And that's a Christian music anyway. So he played that, and I was to put it off, but something held my hand back. I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't bring my hand down to put it off. And the, and the tapes, just something, the music stopped, and these nine words came out. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when he said that, the tapes stopped. I had warned this guy never to preach to me. And they know who I was. If I warn you not to do a thing, you better believe it. So I was sitting in his house, looking at him, sweating and afraid. But he couldn't talk to me because I've warned him before. After a long silence, two of us, and I asked him, how much will God take to forgive my sins? He said, it's free. I never believe anything free because I never got anything free. So I said, oh, it's not. He said, I know what you are thinking. So he just shared the gospel with me. And uh, he said, I can pray and receive Jesus in my heart. So I was looking up to see if I see how God was looking at me, whether he's angry or whatever. So I look up. I wasn't closing my eyes. I just look up. I said, God, you know how bad I am. I cannot even name all my sins, but I am asking you for this. You can forgive me. I'm not going back there anymore. That was all my prayers. And asked Jesus to come into my heart. Instantly there was joy. I can explain. I couldn't explain that joy. Something in my life. Just turned around. It's like I started feeling. Very happy. But the next thing is. I couldn't read. I don't read the Bible. I can't read the Bible. I don't speak English. So. I just. A pastor gave me a Bible. I carried that Bible to church. And come back, I don't read. But they start teaching me. One of my new convert teacher is my pastor today. Who taught me when I got saved. It's my pastor today. 
So I started going to scripture union, that's what we call it, to study the Bible. So they would teach us. In 1973, I was in my shop about 5 a.m. Whether it's a dream, whether it's a vision, whether it's a trance, I don't know. And I was hearing people talk while this was going on. The cloud descended. The sky descended to about 10 feet. And I was bending down because I've never seen that happen. And while I was bending down, this beautiful, handsome, I don't know what to describe him because he's beyond beautiful and he's beyond handsome, came out of that cloud just like this, looking at me. And he was looking at me. The strange thing is that he didn't say a word. But the strange thing is that every look on his eyes, I was putting it into words. And what he was telling me is that, close down my business and follow him. So I said, I can't speak English. I can't read the Bible. How will I be able to preach? I pointed two preachers that were preaching to us. Don't you see the way they talk? I cannot talk like that. So he reached his hand like this. And there was a tiny cake in his hand. I have traveled around the world. I've never seen anything that tastes that way. And he just said, take and eat. I took it. I put it in my mouth. I was like shaking. And he was still looking. And as I was swallowing it, I could feel the movement. When he got down here, I had something on my head. On my head. The whole thing went off. And I woke up to the taste Life on my mouth. I was licking on my lips because the taste was still there. It was so real. Somehow in my heart, open to your Bible. So I, I remember it was the book of John I opened and I read. That was how I started. Everything I read started from that day. I'm speaking English. I have no degree of anything. Did you hear what I said? I didn't go to any college. I didn't go to any secondary school, high school. I didn't go to anyone. Everything I did started from that day. Come to my house, I have books. I read a lot. Because mine was a gift. I didn't buy it. You bought yours, you have receipt. Receipt your certificate, right? I don't have anyone to show you. But God did this just because he wanted me to go and preach the gospel. That's all. That's how my life began. So I'm a strange human being when it comes to God dealing with you because nobody will tell me there is no God because I have encountered God myself. I have experienced him. Tell me, who is it that can give you what you don't learn to speak if not God? He is the author of every language. Sometimes I'm discussing politics with people or discussing with lawyers or something like that. And I kept at my wife say, how do you know this? I don't know. Why? Because when we engage in a talk, something rolls out. It just keeps coming. And we talk. I told you of a professor that, you know, don't believe there is God, don't believe there is devil. But we encountered so many times 
at the end of his life, he believed there was God. And he saw me say, Pastor, can you pray with me? I said, Professor, what did he say? Pray for you. He said, I believe there is God. But it was a big argument at the beginning. He was the one that told me that God was a false sinner. Now, look at, look at his argument. If God was not the first sinner, the Bible says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Without him, nothing exists that is existing. Now, the question he asked me after quoting all that scripture, say, how did sin enter into the world if God is not a sinner? And there were people sitting down. Instantly, something opened in my head. And I said, Professor, let me ask you a question. Um, your children you're born, you are the alpha and the omega of your children, the beginning and the end. Without you, those children will not exist because I used his children to quote the same Bible. He said, sure. I said, why is it that nobody else can have the children you had? He said, because the seed only is in him. I said, fine, so which means the alpha and the omega, everything that came to your children came because of you. Sometimes your children go into their mother's pot of soup and take a piece of meat on authorized. What do you call it? He said, that's stealing. I said, then, you tell me that you are a thief. That was why your children inherited stealing from your, your lineage. He said, no, I'm a good boy. You know, my father, I said, then, listen, back to our discussion. What is it that your children, they say they chose to steal, not because he was a thief. I said, fine, back to our discussion. Human beings were given will. And they choose to sin, not because God was a sinner. He said, you make my argument look foolish. That is a professor. How do you explain that? The man who was there, we were talking about it. On the fifth of this month, I was talking in a, t a TV station. He was there, and I pointed to him and told the people, look at this man sitting down here. He saw me with a professor when we were arguing about the gospel. The, the, the life of God in us makes us different from what every human being is. The problem is that you can't discover that life if you are not fellowshipping with God. You can't get the fullness of it because it's like a volcano that is dormant. But when you begin to experience God in regular, you just explode. The glory of God just explodes. One more question and we're done. anymore or argument or something you want to say well I don't agree with you in this I like that <laughs> yes the what no no not me a friend no, it hasn't happened to me, but it has happened to a friend. Yeah. All right. Done, Pastor Mark. Amen. So, again, what will you do with what you've received? That is between you and God. Will you write down... What God has spoken to your heart, will you write down what God is asking you to do and to how to respond to what you've received today? I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that that's exactly what we would each do. Write down 
Make it plain. Make it clear what God wants to do. <clears throat> that's, that's, why, that's why we preach. Is to make a difference, to try to help to make a difference in the lives of those who hear. Not just to have an hour and a half of filling your time to see how many people can come out. How fancy can we get? How attractive can we make it? It's certainly not what Brother Thomas has come to do. He's come to impart what God wants to say, what God wants you to receive. How will you allow this to make you different, to transform your life? I certainly have a definite list of things of my own. And I pray that God, in the same way, would give you a list of your own. I hope that tomorrow morning, the atmosphere of Tooele is completely different. Because the secret place is being filled. Amen? Amen? Well, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come and thank you, God, for the word. We thank you that you are your word. We thank you that you, Lord, have invaded our hearts and lives tonight. Jesus, we welcome you, and we pray that you will convict our hearts of what it is that you desire of us to do, that you will speak and you will speak loudly, that you will speak clearly, that you will make it plain, that we could write it down, that we could receive what you have, that, God, our lives could be transformed as a result, Lord, of this time right here right now. Lord, you promised us, you said that your word would never return void, that your word would accomplish that which you sent it to accomplish. And Lord God, I thank you that you sent this psalm into our lives tonight. And Lord, we pray, God, transform us Make us more like Jesus. Make us, Lord God, lovers of your life, of the life that you've given us. Minister your heart to us tonight, Lord. I pray, God, bless each and every one. I pray, Lord God, that your kingdom would come to each and every one, that as we come into the quiet place, come into the secret place, come into that place of prayer, come into the very word of God, that, Lord, you would begin to do in us something exciting and exceptional, something beyond what we could hope or dream or imagine. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to press in, Lord, until we begin to experience the fullness of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for a tenacity. Lord, a holy tenacity that would be birthed and only, Lord God, could come by your spirit living and dwelling and leading and guiding us. And we thank you for that tonight, Lord. We thank you for each one. And I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage each one, that you would love on each one, that, Lord, you would let each one know how much they are loved and adored, both by you and by us here. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the church that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Church, God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Please, 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 write those things down. Share what God is doing in your heart. Help others that are around you by sharing what God is doing in your life. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So share it. 
God bless you. Have a beautiful night. Don't forget, Wednesday night, we're going to be right back here. Come on out and be a part. Brother Thomas has a special word for us. Amen? 6.30. Yes.